Yes, so my name is uh, Blessing. Thank you very much, Sean, for that. Blessing Makumbe. Uh, I'm a member of Reading Family Church for just over two years now. I, I remember the first time I came, uh, just reflecting on how much I love this church and how much I love the people. I remember the very first Sunday I came, Scott prayed for us and he prayed a, a prayer specifically for what we're trusting God for. And that encouraged me, that uplifted my heart as well. But one of the reasons I love my church as well is, uh, is just the, the time that we have for testimonies and also the messages that we're hearing, the time of praise and worship. I really enjoyed it uh, this morning as well. And during the week of prayer, uh, when we were praying together in November, uh, we went into a small breakout room and we were sharing uh, testimonies on how we came to know Christ. And one of the ladies uh, in that particular meeting, in that, in that small breakout room, shared her story. And she said, shared a story that she grew up with a Muslim mom. Um, and the father believed that uh, Christianity had good morals. So the father used to take them to church uh, while the mother uh, remained also a Muslim. And over time, she gave her life to Christ. And now she's a believer. She's part of our church as well. And so I wanted to tell you, as we are going through the book of Daniel, uh, where we have been looking at it and have been reminded that indeed as Christians, we are the minority. I want to remind you that we actually believe in a good thing, a very good thing that you can see that if even someone else chose to say that there are good morals in Christianity and over time their children came to know Christ. So keep this in mind, that what you believe in is a good thing. What you believe in is extremely valuable, even though you might be the minority as we have been learning through the book of, uh, of Daniel. So we're going to bring it together today, uh, draw it to a, to a close, and trust God to speak to us uh, as well um, uh, this morning. So the message today, I'm going to call it Death. Where is uh, your sting? And we're going to read together from the book of Daniel chapter 12, from verse 1 to 12. So if you can turn your Bibles to Daniel chapter 12, from verse 1 to 4. I will focus on uh, verse 2 to 4 um, of that passage, and I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. So it says, At that time, Michael, the archangel who stands guard over your nations, will rise. Then there will be a time of anguish greater than um, any since nations first came into existence. But at that time, everyone of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn um, many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end has come. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. There are certain verses in the Word of God that just become real uh, in our lives based on experiences that we go through. And I will share uh, two stories about my life. The first one um, I'm going to start about comes from an encounter I had with bees. And I just wanted to remind you, probably you know about this, that when a honeybee stings you, uh, the honeybee itself actually dies, um, sadly. And what happens is, I'm not a biologist, so I won't be able to explain this very well. You can Google it, you can check it out. What happens is when a bee comes and stings you, and when it flies away, the stinger is still on your body, so it, it pulls uh, the inside parts, like the intestines, 
and then the bee goes and, and really dies a very sad death as well. And I, I was um, about eight years old uh, living in Zimbabwe in a small town called Chinoy. And at our house, we had a very big mango tree. And uh, this mango tree had a massive hole where the bees had started making a beehive and, and there was a lot of nice honey that was there as well. And I had a clear instruction from my parents that stay away from the bees. Uh, it's, a, it's a wise thing for you to do and if you are kind to the bees, they will be kind to you. So it happened that one day we had a ladies meeting uh, at, at our house and some of the ladies came with their children. And one of the children was uh, very creative. He decided that let's come up with uh, stones and start throwing into this uh, hole. And then we see whoever gets the first stone in uh, has won. Is won nothing really. <laughs> Just wins. And then we, uh, we thought it was a brilliant uh, game. We stood in a queue. And then we started throwing the, the stones into the, into, the, into the beehive. And as you can imagine, we aggravated the bees. And then the bees came um, and somehow, I don't know how this happened, most of them just got two or three bites, uh, but I had uh, just over ten, and they had to cut my, uh, all my hair and then get the, the stingers out as well. And yeah, for a Zimbabwean mom, I still got a nice uh, hiding after that, uh, to say that you are under clear instruction that you are not supposed to play around uh, in this place and you let everyone else do it, even though it wasn't my idea, it was someone else's uh, idea. But this particular incident brought to life to me when the Bible begins to say that death weighs your sting. Death weighs your victory. It's a verse that we learn, we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55. It actually comes from Hosea. And death for us as Christians, for those who believe in Christ, is like that bee that comes and stings you. It is painful. I don't want to undermine the impact of death and what it means. It is painful. But it flies away and it's the one that ends up dying, the bee itself. And in most cases, you stay alive. So I want you to keep in mind uh, that particular picture as well as we go through and unpack scripture a little bit more. So I'm going to read now from um, uh, verse 2. And it says that, Men of those who sleep in dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and uh, some to shame and everlasting contempt. And I'm going to share my last story, and then we focus on the Word of God today. Um, this story happened in the year 2009 when I was in Johannesburg, and I was driving between Johannesburg and, and Pretoria, uh, and I was with Sarah in the car at that particular stage. It was uh, at, at night, just uh, probably around 9, 9 p.m., and I was driving quite fast, and what happened is I saw a flash, uh, and Sarah was so kind to remind me and, and ask me if I had seen the flash. Of course I had seen the flash. Uh, and then I told her, yes, I've seen the flash, but I will deal with it uh, in the post when I, uh, when I get the letter. Um, and then just a few minutes, a few seconds later, I saw two cars uh, come onto the highway, uh, and they had blue lights on, and I knew I was in trouble. So I got close to the, to the cars, and then I pulled off uh, on, on the road, and then I stopped there. Uh, and then they asked Sarah if Sarah could join them in their car. And then I had to follow, they sandwiched me, I had to follow them to the police station. I got to the police station, they asked me to identify it as my car. I said, yes, that's my car. And then they asked me, okay, can you take off uh, your shoelaces? Um, so you're asked to take off your shoelaces when you're being put in prison so that you don't commit suicide. <laughs> so I had to take off my, 
my shoelaces, and then they told me I was, uh, I was under arrest at that particular stage. Um, I, I remember a few things that happened at the police station. I'll tell you two other things that happened. One lady arrived at the police station, also over speeding, and then she said, I want to go into the same cell as this guy, because I know the crime he has committed. I don't know about the other ladies <laughs> in the cell that they are. Uh, and then there was also another guy when I was now in the, in the prison cell, uh, now held up. He came, he was also t taken into my prison cell, and I was just standing in a corner, reflecting on my actions and what had happened. And I saw he took off his shoes, uh, without shoelaces already, and he created a pillow, and the next moment he was snoring. He was completely out, so I thought he had a bit of experience in uh, how to handle this situation, <laughs> even though I stood. But what happened is, I came out of uh, this place, I came out of prison. Uh, the next day, uh, Sarah came and bailed me out, and then I was out of uh, prison. But even though I was out of the physical prison itself, I was now stuck in a, in a mental prison. I had to appear in a court, and when I appeared in a court, I was given a conviction of uh, reckless and negligence driving, because I was going quite fast at that particular stage. And a few things happened over time. Uh, things began to happen, and I, I began to feel God was dealing with my life, but I put myself uh, in a prison. And over time, uh, my name got cleared, so I, I don't have a record. Uh, I, I, there's no more record against my name. And I just felt as I was preparing and beginning to think about this uh, message that we are, we, are, we are sharing, I just began to feel that, yes, death, death on its, on its own, the physical death that we go through, does not have to be the end of our story. And it is not the end of your story as a Christian. And I feel that uh, a lot of times, a number of us end up putting ourselves in prisons because of what we have experienced in our lives. We have put ourselves in mental and spiritual prisons because of what you have gone through in your life. But I want to tell you, even as I myself no longer have a record against my name, this is what God wants to do in your life this morning. He wants to set you free. He wants to release you, whatever has happened, whatever you feel that indeed I have done this in my life. How can God possibly forgive me? I want to remind you that he is here. He wants to let you free. He wants to set you free this morning and for you to have everlasting life as well. So we're going to explore that uh, a, a little bit more as we um, go into the Word. I, I love the picture that we see in uh, Matthew chapter 27. Uh, we find it in verse 50 to 52. Uh, I will read again from uh, the New Living Translation. It says, Then Jesus shouted out, and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two, from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, and tombs opened. And many of the godly men and women who died were raised from the dead. When Christ died and was crucified on the cross, he took away the impact that physical death has on our lives. He himself died so that you and me can have life and life in abundance. He came and he was crucified on the cross, and the Bible tells us that, yes, the curtain was torn from top down. It wasn't torn from bottom up, as we would do as people, but it was torn from uh, uh, top down, and him symbolizing that it was him alone who was doing this. He was tearing the division that was between us and him. And he wants to do that this morning in your lives as well. The, the prisons that you have placed yourself in because of what you have done, 
Jesus is calling you out today and he's saying, I have died on the cross so that death will not have a sting, will not have a hold upon your life. I have died on you. You don't need to hold it anymore. You don't need to contain it and put yourself in any spiritual prison. He's here to release you, to set you free so that you can indeed truly enjoy uh, your life and, and, and also what he has in store for you uh, as well. I also feel that there are others who have experienced things that have happened to them. And I want to encourage you to listen to the message that Andy shared with us last week, how collectively we have sinned uh, as a people as well. And there may have been some, th some stuff that has happened in your life that is holding you back, that has created a veil in your own heart, that is blocking you from accepting Christ or even walking into the promises that he has. And I want to tell you as well uh, this morning that my brother, my sister, God is calling you out. He's here to help you to let go. He's here to release you. When I was in this prison I was, I was sharing with you, and I put myself in the mental prison, the way that I was able to let go was beginning to talk about it and to share my story. And I want to encourage you to begin to let go of what, whatever you're holding and, and trust God to minister in your heart, trust God to release you, trust God to set you free as well this morning. Because indeed... My desire and everyone's desire is that death on its own will not hold uh, any victory upon your life. It will be like that bee that comes and stings you. But where is your victory? Where is your victory when you have done that and you go and you die? You will have victory in Christ because he rose from the dead as well. And so verse 3 is truly an encouraging verse. And I want to challenge us as the rest of the church when we read this particular verse, it says that, and those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky, and those who tend many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. We have been looking at this book of Daniel, and we are now drawing it to a, a conclusion, and we started from the 26th of, uh, of September. And one of the things that we have seen through the book of Daniel as we have been going through it is indeed we learned that, yes, he was the minority. They were the minority in Babylon. And we were reminded just as us as Christians, we are truly the minority. Even in the UK, we need to face the reality that as Christians, we are the minority. And what I love about going through this particular book and what we have learned so far is it's a, it's a challenge to us as we read from verse 3 that many, uh, those who turn many to righteousness, like uh, shall shine like the stars forever and ever. It's a challenge that is laid out to us. And we can't go through this book of Daniel and remain the same. We are called to become righteous, to call out many other people to become righteous. And, and, and Daniel did this by just his, his conduct, the way that he was, wherever he was. We, we learn also even uh, how uh, a decree was passed by a king for them to follow the, the, the God of Daniel because of his conduct and how he handled himself. And I want to challenge you this morning and ask you a question. Wherever you are, whether you're at university, whether you're in a workplace, when we started off, when we were learning from, from September, um, we learned when, when Andy set up the series, he, he challenged that and he said, I'm just going to recall some of the things that stood out for me. He said that Daniel was courageous, he was spiritual, he was wise. And I want to ask you the question, in your own place where you spend your time, are you being courageous? Are you being wise? Can people truly testify and say that when, I, when we look at the life of this person, they are indeed courageous. They are turning many to righteousness because of the courage that they have. 
were reminded by David as well to take a stand uh, and not to be lovers of pleasure. And I just love as well, uh, David came and started speaking about the outreach. And he was saying, yes, let us remember the reason for the season as well. Are we taking a stand and not being lovers of pleasure, even in this time of Christmas? When people begin to speak about our Jesus, do we take a stand and turn many to righteousness because we have taken a stand? Liz uh, encouraged us on the 17th of October. She uh, challenged us and she told us that Daniel knew God and he leaned into community. And I also loved what she said, that uh, Daniel, uh, Daniel used what he had and where he was. Daniel did not wait for something to happen in his life, for a promotion to take place in his life, for him to say that, yes, I will make sure that I radiate the presence of God. I will make sure that I, I, I take a stand. He just went ahead and be, and be who uh, God had called him to be as well. Now, I love the message that uh, Scott shared with us when he spoke about um, jealousy and how jealousy becomes envy and how envy becomes evil. And at times, even in our workplaces, someone gets promoted ahead of you and you feel that you deserve this position, not that person. But I ask you this morning, when you do that, when you react, when someone else is promoted ahead of, of yourself, is your conduct reflecting God? Is your conduct turning many people back to Christ? Or are you now beginning to, sh to just you know, go out there and say, this is, this is for me, this belongs to me? How does your conduct show out? Does it turn many to righteousness? And he challenged us also and said, uh, God is willing and able to humble. How are we doing from a humility perspective? Is pride creeping in our hearts? Can those around us and where we spend our time truly testify and say that you are a humble person? Text also challenged us and told us that God equips us and we're equipped to share his word. God is in control. Sean challenged us on the aspect of dreams when he shared as well. And I loved that even the following week, uh, B came and gave a testimony about how, how God had used her even to come through uh, for, for someone who was struggling in a marriage and she had had a dream around that as well. Are we using what God is giving us? Are we using even when God speaks to us so that we can turn many to righteousness as well? I want to remind you, church, that you are the light. You are the light. I want to remind you that you believe in a good thing. You believe in a good thing. When you believe in Christ, when the Christ comes and when you see the power of the Holy Spirit in your life as well, you begin to exhibit the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, patience, peace. All these things begin to come out. Radiate self-control is part of who you are. Gentleness becomes part of who you are. And the Bible tells us that against these things, there is no law. How, how can you put law to someone who loves? How can you put law to someone who's self-controlled, who, who can handle themselves? You cannot put a law against such a person. And, and I want to challenge you this morning and say, even though we are the minority, we can find ourselves and we can say we are the minority as the Christians, you believe in a good thing, in a good thing that is, that is truly amazing, in a God who loves. And a lot can look at us, can look at your life, can look at how you're radiating the fruits of the Spirit of God, and turn many to righteousness because of your conduct and how you hold yourself. I believe that we cannot go through the book of Daniel and remain the same again. I believe that there is a lot that we can learn, something that applies to you as you hear the story of Daniel, that you can truly apply in your own life so that we change, we begin to change those around us. God uses people and speaks through you to turn many to righteousness as well. And so in... Uh, Coming to a, to a close, I'm just going to read from verse 4. That says, uh, But you, Daniel, uh, shut up the words and seal the book. 
until the, the time of the end. And many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. I have loved this season that we are in my RFC 3. We have been dealing with the book of Revelation, and we have been looking at one chapter every week. It's been quite hard and challenging, forcing us to engage in it. In fact, this past week we were dealing with Revelation chapter 20. That talks about also different aspects of, of resurrection uh, that we were reading in verse 2. But a particular verse that also stands out for me is in uh, Revelation chapter 5, verse 4 to, to 5. There's, there's a great connection that we continue to see between Daniel and the book of Revelation. And one of them is Daniel is ordered to seal the book, and we see what happens now in the book of uh, Revelation. And this is John who's talking, so I'm going to read from Revelation chapter 5, uh, from verse 4 to 5. It says that, Then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, Stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir of David's throne, has won the victory. He's worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. John had come to a point where he did not know anymore what to do. And he began to weep bitterly and wondering, how are we going to get this seal opened? But the 24 elders reminded him and, and they said to him, stop weeping. Jesus has won the victory. He has opened the seal. And I want to challenge you and tell you this morning that indeed Christ has come and he has died on the cross for you. You do not need to weep anymore. He's here. He has set you free. He wants to release you. He wants you to come and to know who he is. He wants you even what you have gone through to, to remind you that I'm here to break, to break that chain. I'm here to break that prison. I'm here to break the chains that are holding you, the veil that has closed your heart. He's challenging you this morning to say, I want you to know that victory has already been won because of the finished work of the cross. Death has no victory upon your life. Or death weighs your sting because Jesus, our Jesus, has won the victory. And so I, I, I just want to remind you as I call upon uh, Sean as well that if you are hearing a, a nudge this morning, do not leave this place the same again. Let us not go through the book of Daniel and leave this place the same again. Let us radiate his presence and let us hear what he has to do for us and allow him to minister to us this morning.